Welcome to the award-winning Disrupt Education podcast, a podcast that explores the latest innovations and trends in the world of education. I'm your host, Peter Hostrosser, along with Allie Privet. We're both educators. Okay, one of us is a former educator, and we were tired of the status quo and wanted to create a space where we could have conversations that aren't always in the public eye. Join us as we talk to other disruptors, educators, researchers, and thought leaders who are pushing the boundaries and challenging the way we were taught. We're thrilled you're here to be part of a not-so-underground movement to disrupt and amplify the good pieces in education. Whether you're a teacher, a parent, or a lifelong learner, there's a story for everyone on Disrupt Education. We're here each week to bring you stories from all over the globe of people doing education differently. Buckle your seatbelt, get on the disruptor plane as we climb to altitude before letting this episode free fall straight to your ears. Hey, it's Peter Hostrauser here. And hey, I want to tell you something about how I am actually disrupting education. Yeah, I'm moving forward with portfolios on spikeview.com. If you head over to spikeview.com, Basically, what we're teaching our students to do is actually to create a skills-based portfolio around their interests, through their passions, and what they're good at. It's called the strength-based approach. So basically, what we do is we build up our students and have them understand what they're good at and what they're interested in by the time they leave our high school. But it doesn't stop there. It's a K through gray. So if you want your students to continue to build their strengths in this day and age where resumes are dying and to show more and more about who they are, what they do, and they actually control all the data behind it, guess what? SpikeView is the place for you. Head over to spikeview.com, check it out. Let me know if you need anything because I tell you what, I have used this with my own family and my students. Check out spikeview.com today. Welcome back to the Disrupt Education Podcast. We are coming from behind the scenes. Allie Privet, Peter Hostrasser. Allie, what is happening today? It's a beautiful day outside today. It is. Um, and, you know, since we're just kind of rolling into podcasting, people don't, you know, a little, we'll give, well, let's give our listeners a little behind the scenes. You know, why not? I always sure. like that stuff. Whenever I'm listening to a good podcast, I'm like, Ooh, they're talking about stuff that they don't always talk about. But, <laughs> um, you know, if, if you're not in the podcasting world, um, and this is like behind the scenes with education too. Yeah. Okay. So like, it's a production. Um, <laughs> Peter does a lot of editing and, you know, putting it, putting what you guys see um this is the final product together and with his uh background in broadcast journalism yeah. or is it yep, yep. and right. and whatnot and you know sometimes uh we schedule things and they don't always go to plan but the show must go on and that yeah. is true in show business and teaching um in all of that so we had an original you know, whenever this comes out, we had an original plan with a different guest, which will probably still happen. But, mm -hmm. you know, we had to adjust. Sometimes you double book yourselves. Um, and that is some of the, the behind the scenes podcasting stuff that 
that we get to do. We don't always showcase it because it doesn't really no. doesn't yeah. really matter, but it's a valuable lesson in like being able to. We could have been like, oh, today is a failure. Our uh, our guest or whatnot couldn't make it, and you know it's a waste of time. And it it or we could just adjust. Mm-hmm. And um, we're recording this one earlier, and you know that that's kind of the fun behind the scenes stuff that people yeah. don't always get to know yeah i think that's important actually because it's not it isn't perfect like you know right like things change you get you have to be flexible you have to you know like you said you just have to pivot and try to you know okay so i used to get like really angry at this but i think it might become because of teacher training it's so rigid right <laughs> and i know we're going to get into ken's conversation and cte and stuff but kind of leading into that um you know, you do have to like really adjust and, but even in, in, as a learner, you have to adjust. It's just different things, you know, no big deal, but like you have to, you know, try to figure out, okay, so now what can I do? And I think that we're so excited right now because we're talking with amazing people. We're having great conversations. A lot of people with their skin in the game, especially in the education world, um, who are just trying to make changes and uh, and pretty much a lot of our guests, if not all of them, um, have a um, an emotion and a why behind it. And I love that. And so, um, and I think Ken really had that, like we, honestly, we will definitely have him back on, um, but we could have gone four hours into that. We could have Joe Rogan that whole thing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. There was so much. But uh yeah, where do you want to start with Kat and uh Allie? I think it's it's kind of this um something that Ken I can just tell he does because of of how he talks about um the way he teaches is that there is no time wasted in whatever um he does and that, mm-hmm. that he sees learning happening in every moment. Like I love the example he gave at the end um, of parking lot uh, geometry, parking lot lessons. Yeah. And this idea that's like, you know, understanding how to measure or understanding how to do stuff and making it really hands on. He gave such beautiful, practical um, idea there. And I think with you mentioning this idea that education system can be rigid and time-based and, you know, we have to check all these boxes and dot all these I's and cross all these T's and, you know, the fluidity of learning and um, taking in my mind, like I, I was thinking of a bigger vision of a parking lot learning is that it can just happen anywhere. And we almost box in learning too much Mm-hmm. And Ken talks about this in his episode. It's so good about like, you know, you can think of all of these reasons why kids shouldn't do this or liability or red tape, whatever the reason, or you can just figure out how to make it work. And yeah. and I, the system that he's in, in, I mean, the fact that it's like nine schools coming getting bust in. It's a huge system and it's working and kids are getting these opportunities to in high school go from having never done anything potentially technical to 
getting hired, paid during high school, and then getting a job immediately following. I mean, talk about a <laughs> learning model that would be very, is very enticing. I'm sure, like, it sounded like he has now, or or did, I, I don't think he's still at that program, but mm -hmm. it sounds like the program is now more even competition-based. Like, you have to show up and show out if you're even going to get these prized kind of paid opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. That's motivating for kids. Um, have something to work towards that's reality right you you i mean i think um you know and this kind of goes into the grade inflation thing and i don't want to go all the way down that rabbit hole but i think grade inflation is is taking that carrot away I, I think that it's not really much you know i see it all the time um unfortunately the way and this is kind of uncovering some things behind education but it, it when when a certain grade is given um, which is extremely subjective. I mean, uh, in a lot of ways, um, not all the time. Um, if they're if they're not having to perform something um, and just regurgitate or you know kind of create something with a rubric, it, 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 I can see it differently than you. The carrot gets basically a little bit rotten out front. You know what I'm saying? So what I really like about you know Ken and, and his approach to things is. You know, just attaching the reality and really like I we in our previous conversation when he said I jump up on desk exactly that day, I actually did jump up on a desk when we were having our conversation in the spring and I started laughing. He's like, what? It's like, I was like, we both actually I just did that today, you know, and I'll do that to get kids to look up or to, you know, when something important is or whatever. Um, obviously school insurance probably doesn't like that but whatever right like you have to do those things um and another thing when you i love that you brought up the parking lot um lessons i have uh, a kid and this is a website design course um and we were basically done with the part of the you know the lessons that we had to do and we were working on projects and he was creating a website for his um um you know uh car detailing business um, and he does it, he's very into cars. And so I've got a few like scratches or whatever on the side of my car. And it's literally like a hundred yards outside the classroom and there's a door there. And so I was like, Saif, let's, let's go outside, man. I want you, I want to see this because you have expertise in the clay stuff and all this, there's crazy stuff they, these guys do now. It's not just waxing a car anymore, Ali, but so I took him out and I showed him and he was like, really, you're taking me outside. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I want I want your expertise because <laughs> I saw your website that you're creating. And obviously, you know, these things in those conversations. But I think like, you know, there are different ways and different levels that we can attach to kids interest and creativity um, and then kind of, you know, show them that, you know, you are empowered. Um, you can do these things. It will, you can screw up, right? I'm sure, you know, Ken really didn't talk about it in this, but I know, you know, I've talked to our even welding teacher. It's like, yeah, some of these welds are like, but you got to start somewhere, right? You can't just pick up a ball and make 10 free throws out of 10 when you first start. So, um, but I really like that there's this, this outcome of why, right? Um, and I just don't like a diploma is not enough for kids these days. It just isn't. They they want like 
something tangible. And that's that was something that I really appreciated about that conversation. The idea of performance-based um, assessments in there and showing what you can do, the inability to fake it. And um, I know for myself, I hearing conversations with you, having conversations with friends and family, when you talk about memories from school, it typically is around things you made, things you built, things you put together, um, some kind of, you know, it could be a portfolio. I remember making like a trebuchet in um, high school physics, you know, that or uh, I still have this calendar from photography class and it was like all these curated photos and it was like put together in Photoshop and, you know, the, all the editing and then, you know, print the developing of the pictures and um and 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 all of those things all of the components it was a, a lot of hands on pieces and the end product had to to do something like the trebuchet was like how far can you sling this tennis ball across the football field and like we all went out and like tested our little trebuchets and some were not so little some were like in the back of a pickup truck and <laughs> other ones were like mousetrap versions but when you can't i mean you cannot have anything to show and then um the the, the performance speaks for itself or you can you, you you have something physical and that is made in a lot of industry these days it does require um you know a hands-on component or understanding how those things are put together what's literally like behind the scenes or behind the walls like i mean if you've never done construction and you've just always been in these like nice curated finished finished locations you don't necessarily have an appreciation for how those things were made or built or work and um there's a lot of power in in understanding those things mm -hmm. the, the learning is is unforgettable and and so to have more programs like that and these performance type models, I just think we started talking about this on Ken's episode, but they would they greatly benefit uh, students at any age, right? Like we've and certainly educators in the system, because being able to do stuff with your hands and build and create, I I can't make I can't even find an argument. And if you have one, please tell me <laughs> of where that would not be valuable. Right. And, and, and because it's bigger than a career, it's mm -hmm. life skills that no matter, you just, you never know when you're going to need to like rewire something in your home or where you live. Um, and even if you rent, like the landlord may or may not know how to fix it. And it's like, if you, you're, if you realize like, oh, it's just this one thing, you can even identify the problem. Maybe it could get fixed sooner or it's something that you could take care of. Um, and I don't know if you have no idea how it works, nothing works. Everything is just like this beautiful performance stage. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, feels like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> it's what it is. Well, I, I mean, my daughter's in driver's ed right now. And, um, she, yeah, she had to like, she had to change a tire. Right. Um, cool. 
right? Like I don't remember, maybe I had to do, I don't remember doing that in driver's ed. Um, I learned because I worked at a car dealership too. So as you can see, like a lot of experiences, but you start to think about, okay, you know, if I think part of it is, you know, we, we need to ask our kids, what are they interested in more? And then actually give them the opportunities to do that practice. Right. So I had a, a, also a, um, a, a kid who is um, a, wanting to be a dentist, right? And he's a freshman, very, very focused on it, right? So, you know, some people like just know what they want to do. <clears throat> Michael is a kid who really knows what he wants to do. And so as he was building his portfolio, he was talking about doing stuff. And that's why I brought it up with Ken, like the dexterity, like this kid, like said, you know, I have to have the dexterity with my hands to do this. And I'm thinking, I don't even know how to spell dexterity. <laughs> like, and here's a kid, you know, um, and it actually, when we were sharing those things out, those stories out in class, and it was a career planning class, which I love, um, a senior later on told me, I asked, what was your biggest memory in the class? And he was like, well, what Michael did with his with this portfolio, like he already has the understanding. And so I think, you know, he, his mom worked in a dental office and things like that. So he has that exposure, but how can we give more students this exposure, whether they go into it or not? Um, the other thing that I really like what Ken said is not everybody who went through that program actually went into the trades, right? They went into, he was talking about a young lady, you know, getting a, a degree in, in going into uh, something else. Um, what's interesting, though, that I really like about the tangible things, and I'm going to connect um, Amanda from Propello to what she said and what Ken did, um, and to see like that that orchestra of something happening, right? So when Ken was describing the entire facility where some kids were coming in five minutes later, you may have 20 kids, you may have two kids or whatever, that flexibility. Actually, there are two things that that come out of that from our previous conversations. The first one was a Ken, right? Like, so when I worked with electricians, when we were working on houses and in the foundry, we were working in, you know, steel foundries uh, in Northwest Indiana, um, there was a lot of talk and collaboration. So the plumbers, the the builders, the electricians, you had to work and then you had, to, you had a contractor. So there was a lot of flow and not everything went by, you know, the construction thing. So I know like it's kind of unspoken with anybody in the trades. You have this ability to be flexible, right? And to work around or work with because you can't put in, uh, an electrical recept when a wall's not there, right? Um, so there's a lot of different things that that occur there. And then taking it back to Amanda is trusting your teachers, sure. trusting your educators to do what they knows best for the kids, even if it's not in a completely structured environment. And I think I know what Ken was describing there as a two-time national CTE award winner, that's what that's what needed to happen. So kudos to Ken, but also for the organization for really like just trusting in him and saying, okay, these buses are going to come in different times. 
And if a kid misses, we're going to trust that you're going to set something up, e, you know, like online or, or whatever. It's not like we can't do this because not everybody's going to be there, which I feel like there are a lot of standardized education models out there that will shut it down because it's not unbelievably Linear. organized. So, yeah, that's a big takeaway there. But what he was describing to someone who lives in a very traditional linear public school model where everyone's there every day, um, you know, minus field trips or absences because they're sick, mm -hmm. something like that sounds like craziness. Yeah. And then add, I mean, if you listen to what he said, he's like some students he only saw twice a month. Yeah. And imagine, you know, a classroom where you have students that you see what that would be like eight times in a, in a whole semester. Mm hmm. At most, some of them I would you know, like to see them only eight. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but you know, and the but versus there is this kind of graduation um and and flow that you're talking about mm -hmm. and circular type learning experiences. And I can I can speak to feeling like that kind of model would be impossible to somebody who's never seen it done. Sure. Um and you know, like being early in your career and you only know what you uh, only know. And right. so like part of the benefit of these types of conversations is just learning that like these models already exist. They're operational. Um, you, you know, there's you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You're not doing this alone. Um, there are places that are executing on these types of ideas. And, mm. um, you know, we've, we've had many conversations with people over the past year who are building or have built or have improved and grown these types of models for, for students and, and learning. And so I think that's kind of important to highlight is that, you know, if you've never been exposed to anything other than the traditional model, that's okay. Like, you know, you're not alone in that. Right. <laughs> right? And there, yeah, um, and you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. I, right. There is this, uh, when I started teaching, I had no thoughts of breaking the mold or doing things differently. You know, I, I remember being like, okay, well, my cooperating teacher as a student teacher does this. And so my first year teaching, like I knew it worked for her. And so I'm going to make it work for me. It didn't like, I had to like kind of find <laughs> my own teacher voice. And we've talked about this a little bit yeah. You have to find kind of your, your rhythm. But I think like on a bigger scale, students um, advocating for themselves and, and what they want parents advocating for it they held a lot of power in in the school system that they may not realize communities um voters school mm -hmm. boards like these this is why we talk about like the power of a local community a lot on mm -hmm. the podcast and then really these initiatives do happen in communities um yeah. and so there there is a lot of power in in that and that particularly if you aren't in a big system i think you have even more power um for change because things move faster so i i did think about that at, during ken's discussion is that you know if you haven't talked to someone like ken reach out to him mm -hmm. and um ornate clayberg comes to mind as an as another um innovator and and then to your point about um propello's work i was thinking about this like we do then need systems and, and and software that can be more flexible and mm -hmm. so propello and their 
are there are other software companies and ed tech and stuff that can support this type of work to get, kind of get it off the ground. And, you know, in a flexible learning model, you're going to need flexible software, flexible grading, flexible standards. You're going to need just basically a lot more flexibility in in the whole system. So I we you get indoctrinated into this rigid system. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point you just want to you want to tear down the walls. You Yeah. Well, I mean, as you're as you're speaking that out, and that's that's so true. Um, yeah, you you should connect with 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 Ken, um, listeners. Um, it, it's interesting. The one thing that really hasn't become that flexible is the schedule of a day, like, and especially in secondary. And I just, I think that's the one I I just keep banging my head against the wall. I'm like, because then it starts to impede the the way that students learn right um it again it works for some and i don't want to discount that i mean studies have shown 20 to 30 percent of students are it is it's a great system for them however i think like you know i have an internship i have a couple of internship classes next year um i actually not at the current school that i'm at a couple of schools ago i broke a ginormous rule because the students were coming in. It was a zero hour. So it was before school and we were meeting and they had internship courses, right? So they would come in and I had them come in twice a week. I was like, you guys don't have to be here every day. And I know that was a ginormous rule, but I was like, I will be here every day if you guys need to get here. And actually no lie. Some kids would come most days. And just sit down, maybe do some other homework or just talk or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but what's interesting is even in the the internship classes that we have now that are built into the school day, our kids get to leave early. And, you know, do they need to be there every day? No. So we use that time, though, to, to, to talk, right? It's not like a sign, a sign, a sign, a sign. I think there's there's this humanistic approach of talking with students um and just conversating you know um that is kind of a lost art because sometimes people will say well you're not doing anything today so you're not being productive and you know looking at it through the lens of a student like if you were productive 100 percent of 180 plus days a year it's no wonder why students aren't coming to school anymore right which is another thing that came out of the pandemic is attendance rates right have skyrocketed on the un- unexcused or missing days right now part of that is because they built in right the the mental health days and things like that however like do certain kids need to be there all the time and i think that was where my my head started thinking when ken was talking about his organization where you're right like kids got uh you know, testing this day and they can't make it or they have a field trip or they have like, a, I don't know, a soccer tournament or whatever, you know, they may and then he only sees one or two times a month. Um, but are there ways that we can make that work? Can we be flexible with the time? And it just baffles me because that's the only thing in in our situation, not every situation, but in my situation, 
that they are so inflexible on is that time of, of time that you're in a school per day. And I do know, like, if teachers have a, a period off or something at the end of the day or something, and sometimes they leave, I've heard of stories where them getting reprimanded. And it's like, <laughs> you're not trusting teachers, right? So, I mean, can we trust students? Can we, you know, build these things in? I don't have the answer to that, but I'm just like, I, I just, it starts me thinking about very interesting ways we can do school differently for certain students where it fits, because we have students who want, they want that credential, they want a job, they want that carrot, they want that certification, they want something that is more than a maybe after school. More than letters on a piece of paper. Right. And percentages. You know, I I know you do work with portfolios with Spike View and mm -hmm. skills. And we've had we've talked about durable skills and yeah. lifelong skills, 21st century skills, whatever you want to call them, but like things you can talk about with you know what you what you know and are able to do. And then having something other than a diploma, a piece of paper that you can say, you know, this is something I built, this is something I created, mm -hmm. I think speaks to to that lack of of fluidity in learning and the learning model and the timestamps. And a lot of that, you know, if if you aren't, you know, in um, public education, you might not know a lot of like those mandates come down from the very, very top or from the state or federal level. But uh, as a as a quick example, a lot of states and legislators have over time decided that quantity um, is more important than quality. Mm -hmm. And so schools used to start after Labor Day and end before Memorial Day. And the school days, I'm guessing, probably a little bit more flexible. I don't know at what point all of these bells and schedules came into place, you know, as a way to organize, maybe systematize it. I, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it wasn't like that, right? It was a it was a more organic learning experience. And it's like the pendulum is is so orderly, ironed out, timely, and it's longer. The school year's longer. School days are long. Um, they're trying to fit more into all of this. And at some point, the system breaks down, right? You were seeing... Students are like, why do I need to be here all day, every day? Especially when you can like record the lesson, right? That's something the pandemic showed. Like, oh, is this something that I can just like watch on my own time? Cool, it is. So then why do I need to be at school all day? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be at school all day. <laughs> and like it showed like the the gaps, mm -hmm. right? That we don't need to be at school all day, every day. Um, Or that learning doesn't need to happen in rows in a classroom that like it can happen anywhere. There are models that we can we can do that. Some things do require us to be in person and and to to work on. And, you know, it's like if you want uh, students to be there, well, create experiences where they have to be present. And I think about Ken's work and like you can't solder if if you're not in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, unless you have that at home, but it's unlikely um, you'd have those tools at home. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this, this flexible learning models, um, 
flexible time models. You can't think outside the box if you're just going to keep everything in the box mm. the same. Right. I mean, it's like all these all these softwares and all these and, and, and everything that supports schools, well, it supports schools oftentimes with how they currently are. Mm -hmm. They're not being like innovative of like really jarring the system, which I know there are complications at every level sure. um, when you when you try and do that. But it, it that's why it's so rigid, because yeah. nobody wants to rattle it. It's like <laughs> not a snow globe you want to shake up. I mean, I'll be honest, like as a parent, um, what I would like to see more of is my son or daughter in a school um situation and if they had an opportunity if they knew what they wanted to do or wanted to experiment with um and they can also earn money while they're during the school day i know i got i've gotten pushback on this before um for kids selling things in school and things like that and this isn't what i'm talking about but i also think that should be an availability there should be like a way where students can create and sell now a lot of them will do it like with drop shipping or online regardless because it's 24 7 um however like you know um you know ways that they can earn just not just doing mundane things but i mean there's if there's a shortage of teachers there's a shortage of janitors and ma maintenance people why can't our students do those things with the trades and and make money doing it getting paid by the school why can't they and you know I think this is where, you know, uh, Ken said, when when businesses come in, they get frustrated because we can't do this and we can't do that. And then they just turn away and they're like, all right, well, whatever, we'll wait until 18. I, I My goal in my last 10 to 15 years in education, I'll be honest, is to push that, like push that harder. Let's get louder there. Let's make some real life pieces for students. Um, to where they can, number one, earn money. Because let's be honest, so let's say, you know, if we really want to talk equity, like let's go socioeconomics. You got a single parent at home um, and they are working, you know, a lot and trying to make ends meet. Well, what if my kid could be at school? And I'm talking high school and, and of whatever the legal ages are in your state, 14, 15, 16. Um, and they can work while they're learning and getting credit for it and earn money for the family. Like how, how is that not more equity? I mean, so for me, I think I'm, I'm very adamant about that. Um, I've talked to a lot of students who are in difficult socioeconomic um, areas and that's all many of those students that I've talked to in that area have told me, I want a skill. I want something that is going to make me money because it's not just a necessity it is actually an emergency in my situation and i think that's something that you know the trades definitely can do i can see that with what ken was doing you have 100 percent job placement when he was there i mean come on like i mean i don't know what else we need to do um maybe our listeners maybe, do <laughs> maybe they do yeah. maybe we need to duplicate some kens yeah right <laughs> But I, I'm I'm adamant about this, and I think it's something that that you know I'm going to continue to work with. I know our school system. Um, we're starting to look at you know I was just reached out by administration, which I love, and they were asking you know hey we got this open house with our um, 
with our chamber of commerce and we technically can't serve alcohol. So we have, we're struggling to get people there. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fair enough. And it's true. So what can we do? Right. And I'm like, let's go like invite me to the meeting. Like I'll do what, like I would love, and it's a build, right? It's not a big switch, but again, with Robert Pepo, like he's put his, put his stakes out there and said, Hey, what can these kids do? We need more people like that. And it's, it's a gradual build and it doesn't have to just be for business. It can be, you know, chemistry, it could be math, it can be history. There's so much uh, that we can do where we're working on projects and building in. Um, and again, if we have to build in the inflexible eight period day, then we do it right. And then hopefully it gets bigger, but um, that's my little bright light that I've taken uh, from Ken I know I'm a little curt right now because I like, I really am passionate about this. Um, I want my kids to do this. I want my kids' kids to be able to do this when they're in a school system uh, somewhere, you know? And if you are listening to this and you're like, I I have forged a bridge, made a path to mm -hmm. create these types of systems, well, we definitely want to highlight that because I think sometimes it comes down to brass tacks of like, okay, well, how did how did you even get started? What was the program? Even if it was five kids the first year, mm -hmm. you know, and it's okay to to start something small and grow it. Um, it doesn't need, of course, you know, it'd be great if we could just overhaul the system. Mm -hmm. Unrealistic. I mean, right. one can dream, but <laughs> you know, it's this idea of. Um, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And I think Ken kind of gave us a couple bites though, mm -hmm. of, Definitely. of showing us a model that is working and is really getting at the, the trades, um, and skill sets that could just, they, they just benefit everyone. So amplifying those types of programs and stories and people. Mm -hmm. is definitely the way to disrupt education and and get other communities and, and parents and, and students who are excited about these learning models aware of them and able to to make choices for their own education um and their children's education moving forward. So I know I'm I'm really excited to have learned about Ken's work and just all of all of the benefits that could come from bringing it's basically like bringing shot back and bringing like mm -hmm. stuff that we at some point decided was not as relevant or it was for quote unquote you know the this is very in quotes the dumb kids which mm -hmm. ugh, is just ridiculous but um because i actually think it requires so much more skills to put together what's in your head and make it with your hands you know, putting that putting those two things together is incredibly uh difficult and skill-based and worth worth building so there's more than just mind work in education <laughs> and i think that's that's something that we really took away from ken's episode and stuff that we want to discuss more as as the podcast goes on this year and beyond i'm going to challenge everybody on the on the end of this is you know, if you, if you can and take a moment and go back and just listen to that conversation, listen to a couple of the other conversations that we have, but specifically Ken's and, and think about it. If you're an educator, if you're a parent, what do you really, or even a student or administrator, what do you really want 
your how can you take some of that information and change a small piece like what is one connection that you can make with your community and give your kid a tangible skill um and then just start brainstorming because that really that's that's what we're hoping and that's how we disrupt education so um i think ken laid out a lot there um as well so i think this is a this is going to be an interesting pathway that we're uh, that we're taking here. We're going to start talking to some youth uh, coming up. I'm very, very excited about that. Um, some right after high schoolers. Uh, um, and so just a little uh, bit of a carrot out there for you. Um, and uh, we'll see if uh, that lines up, those conversations line up to kind of what Ken is telling us works or not. Um, I have an idea. You might find some very good carrots in there as well. So so for Ali Privet, I am Peter Hostrasser. Thank you all for hanging out with us today on the Disrupt Education Podcast. Check out our links down below. We'd love to connect, ask questions away. Uh, we do get emails from uh, people. We do get uh, connections on LinkedIn and everywhere. Um, and we do our best to respond. So uh, definitely love to build uh, with you. So uh, until next time, thanks again for hanging out with us on the Disrupt Education Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Disrupt Education Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you ready to disrupt the educational arena you're a part of? For more ways to get involved in the work we do here at Disrupt Education, check us out at disrupteducation.co or find us on LinkedIn at Peter Hostrosser or Ali Privet. Our mission here is to help facilitate and amplify changes in the educational system through local initiatives and help you scale them into community movements. Our building network of disruptors in education are working to move beyond scores and grades as the only measure for student learning. If your school district, college, campus, or organization is looking for facilitators of this work, reach out on our website or social media. And if you have any thoughts or feedback on this week's episode or any episode, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries, taking risks, and most importantly, disrupting education.